Hallelujah. I promise I won't be long. You'll just give me just a few minutes of your time. In the book of Genesis, if you'd stand with me tonight. Amen. I give honor to my pastor, Brother Coon. I saw him here earlier. Love and appreciate him. Thank you all for being here. In the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, verse number 1. And the whole earth was with one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there and said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly or throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all... And they have all one language. And this they began to do. And the Lord said, And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And so the Lord says, Go to, let us go down. And there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad abroad upon the face of all of the earth. Isaiah chapter number 28, verse number 11, Isaiah prophesied and said, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, To whom he said, this is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Hallelujah. I want to talk to us for just a few minutes tonight about another tongue. Another tongue. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to know there's power in the tongue. Because there's power in words. If you don't believe that, you go and read the epistle of James. And most of his writing is about the power of and the positive power and the negative power of the tongue and of the words of men. There are power in words. Hallelujah. We learn from the Bible that words have creative power. You, you begin reading the Bible and you get just a few verses, just a little ways into the Bible and you, and you come up on a universe and galaxies and, and stars and atmospheres and stratospheres and heavens and, and the earth and mountains and rivers and streams and animal life and plant life. And I want you to know that it is the result of God saying, and God said, and the Word of God moved. Words, creative power. Words have destructive, they have negative power. Maybe it ought to be for another message another night, but let me warn some of you parents, some of you daddies, and some of you mamas about the negative power of your words. 
If all you do is harp on your kids about how ignorant they are and how stupid they are and how they will never amount to anything and how sorry they're going to be, well, guess what? They're going to be just that ignorant and just that sorry and just that worthless. Amen. Not only is there a negative power to words, there's a positive power. There is a healing power to words. I talked to you this morning of the story where Peter and John were on their way to the temple and Peter said to the lame man, he said, I don't have any physical thing. I don't have anything tangible. He said, but what I have is some words. I got a name. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And with words spoken by Peter, the lame man received strength and he was healed. Amen. The Bible says, more than once that the Lord, He would send His Word and they were healed by His Word. There's more than physical healing to the power of words. But especially, and this is another subject, another concept for another night, but when you get into the power of the preached Word, not only is there physical healing, but there's emotional healing. There's psychological healing. There's, a, there's spiritual healing. Amen. There's power. In words, I want you to know that when Jesus Christ himself came up against his number one adversary, the devil, when he went toe-to-toe with him, Brother Davidson, they didn't have any kind of physical weapon. There was no tangible sword or spear in his hand. But when the devil came up to the Lord, he said, Why don't you command these stones to be made bread? Jesus said, let me tell you something, devil. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He he defeated him with words. And then the devil said, why don't you... Why don't you jump off this mountain and let the angels bear you up? And the second time Jesus said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the third time the devil just said, Why don't you just bow down and worship me? And Jesus said, It is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only, and him only shalt thou serve. Hallelujah. Power in words. I want you to know that the Bible says in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, it says that all the matters of life and death. Now think about this. All of the matters of life and death lie in the power of the tongue. That's powerful. That's powerful. Somebody said, don't argue with a man when he says, I can. And don't argue with a man when he says, I can't. Because nine times out of ten, both of them's right. Hallelujah. There's, there's illustration and example after example throughout the Bible where conditions and healings and situations and matters are dissolved and matters are resolved because of words. There's power in words. There's power in your tongue. Again, read the epistle of James if you don't believe that the tongue is the most powerful thing that we own. The tongue. Now, that's my foundation. Now I'm going to preach about four and a half minutes. Then we're going to pray. And Michael's going to receive the Holy Ghost talking in other tongues. Well, hallelujah. I'm talking about something that's real tonight. In the text that I read to you, 
And if you put this text in its context, you realize that, that this is just after Noah stepped off the ark. And basically there's nothing happened except we've had a couple chapters of the genealogy of Noah. And nothing really major has happened. But then the Bible says, and it came a day when the sons of men decided, they said, we're going to build a tower that will reach the heavens. And they said, we're going we're to name it after our name. I read to you the text. Go back and read it. So we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to name this tower after our name. Now, apparently, this was quite a spectacle. This must have been, this must have been quite a thing, the Tower of Babel. Because it got the attention of God Almighty. God up in heaven noticed this tower that, that men was building. And God says, I'm going to go down and check this thing out. And so the God of heaven comes down and he begins to look at this tower that men are building up to heaven. And I know, Brother Davidson, that we've heard it preached and, and we've said that, that God never realizes anything because he already knows it. Nothing takes him by surprise. But from the scripture, it almost looks like that God is surprised at their progress. And it looks like almost that God is amazed at the accomplishment of humanity. And God said, this is, this is quite a thing. They have built this tower. And I want you to understand that God did not give humanity any credit in their talents. He didn't give them any credit on their ability. He didn't give them any uh, credit on their intelligence. But he said they're able to do this because they are of one speech and of one language. That's how they can accomplish this. And then the Lord says, but I've got to put a stop to it. He said, I, we can't have this. And in the verse I read to you, he said, if I don't stop humanity from this, he said, then there is nothing that's going to stop them. He said, they will not be refrained from nothing. From anything that they, and this is the word that I read to you, from anything that they imagined to do. If I don't stop them, they'll be able to do it. Now, I want you to understand something. Quite an, and I, I'm not even doing this message fair tonight. Because I just saw this just a few hours ago. I wish I'd had time to study it out. I could have sure enough preached to you tonight. But let me just give you right quick what I begin to realize today in study. Anytime the Bible talks about the imaginations of men's hearts... It's always evil. And it's always against the things and the kingdom of God. Every time in the Bible, it's never good when the Bible says, and he talks about the imaginations of the hearts of men. It's never good. We're just in this text that I read to you, we're just a couple chapters from when God says the whole earth is wicked. He said every imagination of men's heart is evil before me. Every one of them. Every imagination of the heart of men is evil. He destroys the earth with water through the flood of Noah. 
Nobody escapes except Noah and his wife and his boys and their wives. Noah gets off the ark. Noah builds a, he builds an altar to the Lord. The Lord smells a sweet smoke and the Lord says again. He said it one time before he destroyed the earth with water. He said every imagination of men's hearts is on evil continually. When they got off of the ark, the Lord said, He said, every imagination of men's heart, He said, it is evil from their youth. He said, thus, I will never destroy the earth again with water because of the promise I've given them. In essence, what the Lord is saying, I'm just going to have to admit it. I'm just going to have to cope with the imaginations of men's hearts evil. And I I believe if God would not have made that promise, He would have destroyed them again. But He said, I'm not going to do it for the promise, the rainbow that I made. He said, but... And and you you begin to look at the life of Israel when they go into captivity. When they go into those idolatrous lands. You look at those boys of Levi. I want you to know the wickedness that they were involved in was only because they were chasing the imaginations of their heart. When you study the wickedness of the imaginations of the hearts of men, I want you to know that it idolizes flesh every time. The imagination of men's hearts is no restraint to flesh. It's whatever the flesh wants. It's if flesh wants immorality, it gets it. That's the imaginations of men's hearts. It's idolatry. It is rebellion. It's witchcraft. It's incest. It's adultery. It's idolatry. That is the imaginations of men's hearts. It's evil continually. The imagination of men's heart. It's just feed self whatever he wants. It's just, I'm the God. I'm the God of my kingdom. I won't hold myself back from anything. You study it. I promise you, that's what it is. That's the imagination of men's hearts. It's a me kingdom. It's a me world, the imagination. And the Lord said, I've got to stop it. Because if I don't, he said, then they're gonna, they're, nothing is going to be restrained from them from which they have imagined. The imagination of men's hearts is a, is a me kingdom. I want you to know the Bible says they was building themselves a tower to heaven and they were going to name it after themselves. But the Lord said, no, sir, for the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous runneth into. It's not about you. It's about me. I've got to stop it. It's not about your world. It's about my world. It's not about your kingdom. It's about my kingdom. He said, I gotta put a stop to it. The imaginations of the hearts of men is about glorifying the flesh. You study it out. I promise you it is. It's about self glory. And the Bible says no flesh shall glory in the presence of Almighty God. That's why when David went to the house of Obed-Edom and he got the presence of Almighty God, he began walking and he began dancing. He took off his clothes and he danced with all of his heart and with all of his mind. And when he got home that night, his wife, Michael, She said, oh, wasn't the king glorious today in front of all the handmaidens and the servants? She was sarcastic. She was mocking him. 
David said, let me tell you something, woman. No flesh shall glory in the presence of God. He said, you think I got shameless today? He said, you just wait. Because he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who knew about what God wanted. He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. I will be more vile than this. Because no flesh shall glory in the presence of God Almighty. You can't have two kingdoms. It won't work. The imaginations of the hearts of men was a me world. It was whatever I want. Feed the flesh. There's nothing I can't have. There's nothing I can't do. There's nothing that's off limits. There's nothing that's too perverted. And the Lord said, I've got to stop this. He said, because if they get this done, he said, there's nothing. He said, they're going to go too far. They're going to get too far. They're going to get beyond needing me. They're going to begin to rely on their own worlds and on their own kingdoms. Again, I'm sorry. Let me just hit the high points here. And so the Lord said, I've got to stop this. So he said, I need something that is powerful enough to change the world of humanity from it's my world and it's my way and I'll do what I want to. He said, I've got to have something that'll change them from that to it's the kingdom of God and it's His world. He said, I know what's powerful enough. I'll give them another tongue. With stammered lips and another tongue shall he speak to this people saying this is the rest that causeth the weary to rest I want you to know the power's not in the tongues but it is the evidence of the power of God working in us hallelujah come on you didn't shout enough over there When he starts talking about the working of the Holy Ghost in us, he said it is able to cast down vain imaginations when you got the Holy Ghost. There was a, you sit down just a minute, there was a young lady, or young man rather. He got the Holy Ghost in India. And uh, Brother Marar was there. And, and uh, he knew that this little boy barely spoke his native tongue. He knew there was, there was no way that he could know any other language. And Brother Marar said that my daddy was standing there and heard him when he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When he got that power to change him from the me world to the kingdom of God world. And Brother Marar's daddy said, I heard him speak in another language. And this is what he said when he got the Holy Ghost. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not. 
in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then he said, the Holy Ghost on the inside of him said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? I'll tell you why, because they don't got the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, you got another kingdom on the inside of you. Got another world you're fighting for. You got different motives. You got different desires when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Stand up with me tonight. That's why when somebody comes to this altar and they repent, oh yeah, we get excited. There's a power to repentance. I like to see tears flowing. Hallelujah. There's a power to confession. The Bible said confess your faults one to another. Confess your sins unto God and He is faithful to forgive you. There's power to repentance. And I like, I rejoice when people repent. But I want you to know when I am praying with somebody and after they repent, they start speaking in a heavenly language. You say, Brother McClure, why do y'all get so excited? Because that is the sign. That is the evidence that their world has been put aside. That is the evidence that they are saying, God, I don't have any reservations. I'm not holding nothing back, God. Whatever I am, whatever I'm not, whatever I don't have, whatever I got, it's all about you, Jesus. When I see somebody speaking in tongues, that is the evidence that God has come into their life. And now he is the Lord of their life. I heard one more testimony about a person. They were speaking in tongues when they got the Holy Ghost. There was another lady filled with the Holy Ghost standing beside her. She knew the native tongue. Again, same scenario. The other lady didn't know that language. But when she got the Holy Ghost... This lady said, I heard her say in my language. She said that when she got the Holy Ghost, she said, this is the Lord. I now reside on the inside of you. I am the... Come on, Michael. You want the Holy Ghost? I wonder. Come on, church. Does anybody want the Holy Ghost? You talk about a power. You talk about... Some of you brethren gather around Michael. I believe God's going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's Holy Ghost night. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost hallelujah. is moving. Yes, the Holy Ghost is moving. Yes. Come on, anybody in the house, you want the Holy Ghost tonight, you can have it. We've had people get the Holy Ghost the last two or three services. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. You talk about a life-changing experience. You talk about a power like you've never known. The Holy Ghost well, is moving. Yes, the, the Holy Ghost, Ghost is moving. It's moving down in my soul. The Holy Ghost is moving. Yes, the Holy Ghost is moving. 